Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes, and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse, and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, make predictions for the upcoming games, and much, much more. What's up, everyone? It's Wes. Thanks for listening. Bye weeks are nice and relaxing, even for fans. But I'm ready for the dogs to get back at it this week in Jacksonville. We'll talk about that game and many other exciting matchups this week. But first, Jesse, how's it going? I'm better this week. Um, thank you for asking and thank you for everyone for bearing with me last week. My voice is back. I don't sound um, like I'm living in the depths of despair. So we're on the up and up. Well, that's good to hear. Um, also, if you're watching, as you can see, we welcome back our host who was not here last week and thus has not weighed in on the Bama-Tennessee game yet. First off, how are you, my friend? And second, would you care to get your feelings out on the show regarding that game? Well, as far as how I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling like pure unadulterated garbage at the moment because I'm fighting off some bug that is steadily working its way through my immune system. Um, very much like uh tennessee's offense ran all over uh ut martin this past weekend it's, it's a similar trajectory um but i'll live i'll live i'll survive it is one of those things as far as the tennessee bama game goes uh i thoroughly enjoyed the finish uh that was the ugliest field goal i've ever seen in my life but it was just effective enough um and as you and, and as you can see i am currently in my tennessee hype bunker because i'm trying to do everything i can to mitigate drinking the rat poison. So I'm glad the balls are winning. Kudos to you, my friend. I just five. can I just take a moment and just give you a little a little applause because uh, like you are like one of the few. I like you, I see you in your bunker there. You're not you're not buying into it, but man, there are so many. They are just basking, they are bathing. Yes, they yes, they are bathing in now, the uh, hype right now. Now let, <laughs> let me clarify, let me clarify. I am very happy with the trajectory of this football team. I am very happy with the trajectory that the season is going. However, I am well aware of the fact that it is near impossible to get through the SEC schedule unscathed. And I know we've got a big game on November 5th against Georgia and Georgia's defense is historically and this year pretty stout. So <clears throat> I'm not going to go ahead and say it feels like 98, but it does feel like 96, 97 ish. <laughs> And I'm just wondering if if George is going to play the role of Florida for this for us this year. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, again, I, uh, I I was crowing on Saturday after that game went down, um, and I have you know tweeted and retweeted several things that are very pump of the chest and uh, you know look at us, look at us. But I mm, I know better than that. I know better than to let myself get my hopes too far up. I've you. seen I've seen what happens when that when that when that occurs and it's not a pretty picture. You know, I, I'm, no, that's that's good. Um, I, <laughs> you kind of sound like um like like me because uh, you know when uh, when your team's doing well, much the same as like Georgia was doing last year. Uh, it's like you've been there so many times before, right? You don't want to let yourself get your hopes up, and you're like, eh, let's just be happy, but we're not gonna you know get too crazy, yeah. right? So. Yeah. 
I hear you. And the uh, and the funny thing is, is is if we can go back to the Bama game real quick. So when we when we watch the Bama to. game, um, just 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 to talk about reactions, this kind of gives you a gauge of where I'm at as a fan. Like when you watch most Tennessee fans' reactions of beating Bama, like there was this big jubilation. There's videos all over the internet right now. People basically acting like they just won the lottery. I simply was watching it on my phone. I saw the field goal was good. I closed the app and went, okay, that was great. And then I went on about my day. Now that's not mitigate what happened. This is obviously an important thing, but you have to take my viewpoint with a grain of salt because I get wound up, but I don't get super wound up like some people do. Well, and also you understand it's a step, right? To getting where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Take it week by week. And that week was a good week. Just got to hope the rest of them are. All right, well, let's talk about last week, which was also a good week for Tennessee, and uh, talk about some of those games. Here's the news. That is not the right clip. Always remember, <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. Oh, good times. It is news uh, in, in a certain way, if you look at it that way, from a certain point of view. Um, all right, the uh, UT Martin Skyhawks at number three, Tennessee. Um, Tennessee taking this one uh, 65 to 24. Uh, Jesse got the point in this one, so good job, Jesse. Um, I'm back. I don't have a summary because this was a blowout. Jesse, do you have any takeaways? I mean, my one takeaway is, um, you know, after watching highlights of this and, and reading through it, is Tennessee is good on third down on both sides of the ball, and we talk a lot about how third down is such a crucial uh, time in a game, and so I think they're really efficient. You know, they keep their offense on the field. And they've been doing that throughout the season. And obviously this was against UT Martin, but still they were able to uh, convert on third down. They finished 15 of 20 on third downs um, and actually converted their first eight um, and were 10 and 11 at one point. So, you know, being down in distance was not an issue for them. They were able to, to extend their drives and hooker ran for 22 yards when, you know, it was third and 19. So They had some really good plays offensively on third down. And then, um, you know, on the opposite side of the ball, when they needed to stop UT Martin on third down, they were able to do that successfully as well. So that's a stat that if they're able to continue specifically when they are still in SEC play, and if they get to go further, it will be advantageous uh, to keep up that, that style of play. Matt, your takeaways. Um, You know, this team put up what 52 points in the first half and granted UT Martin's you know a smaller school but this is a team that walked in at four and two that's leading the Ohio Valley Conference they were looking pretty good um and you know they gave Tennessee some issues at the very beginning of the game it was seven all I think at one point and I know I was a little concerned it was like here comes the hangover and then Hen and Hooker did what Hen and Hooker does um and you know really pulled this thing out um the big thing <clears throat> excuse me the big thing that's the big takeaway here is Tennessee was able to get a ton of points, but then they were also able to get a lot of people involved offensively speaking. For example, Jalen Hyatt at seven, uh, seven catches for 174 yards. Squirrel White, who has one of the best names in football, by the way, had five uh, receptions for 122 yards. Uh, Kamel Re- uh, Keaton also had five uh, receptions for 77 yards. So in the air, this was a big game for Hendon Hooker and for the offensive uh, team for Tennessee. Um, I, I want to take two seconds from this to talk real quick to any Ohio State fans that may be listening, and um, I want you to get real close so you can hear me say this. If you're an Ohio fan, Ohio State fan, and you're saying C.J. Stroud's the better quarterback, I need you to shut up. 
He's not. This back and forth that I've been seeing between people saying Hendon Hooker is not as good as C.J. Stroud is absolute garbage, and you could quote me on that. I'm tired of it. I'm all about the hype with Hendon Hooker. You just can't. It's It's been all over Twitter for the last two weeks since the Bama game about how C.J. Stroud is better is much better than Hendon Hooker, and I humbly disagree. Well, they got to have talking points and they got to keep the entire country interested, right? They can't just keep it all SEC, at least. The- Ohio State is quite literally all the state of Ohio has. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. By the yeah. way, Ohio State only has one uh, top 25 win. And guess who that was at the time they played them? Notre Dame. And we mm. all saw how that worked out. So, right. Every year. Every year. Yeah. Well, my takeaway from this one was. Next, which is exactly what Tennessee said, basically, is just uh, by the end of the game, it's just uh, not making fun because we all we all play teams like this throughout the season. So um, that's actually the last non-conference game for Tennessee. So um, let's uh, talk about the next game. That was uh, Ole Miss at LSU. LSU, in the end, it wasn't like this the whole game, but in the end, destroying uh, Ole Miss. Uh, nobody got the point because uh, we didn't have faith in LSU, as you might expect, just given what, nobody we've, seen, did. Given what we've seen this year. That just makes sense. Um, uh, LSU overcomes an early two-score deficit and uh, and really uh, bullies Ole Miss in the second half, especially the fourth quarter uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, so that was just kind of bizarre to watch, just them just sort of take over that game. Um Jesse, what are your takeaways? I just have three. My first one is this is a signature win for Brian Kelly in his first year. This is a win that I think you're going to continue to hear them talk about as they talk about LSU as a program, um, you know, this year and going into next season. Ole Miss came in unbeaten and LSU started to load on the points. So now in some weird twist of fate, LSU is now six and two, four and one in the SEC, and they remain a contender in the West, which is wild. We did not think we would be talking about that. Number two, Jaden Daniels showed out. Uh, he was exceptional all afternoon. He, you know, was all over the ground. He had three touchdowns through the air, 21 of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he surpassed the 100 yard mark as a rusher for the fourth time in his career and the second time this season. And with his third rushing touch touchdown, uh, he actually set a school record for most of those scores in a season by a quarterback with eight. So he is lights out right now um, against, you know, yeah, not necessarily the best defense, but still a pretty good old Miss team. And then third, uh, Jackson Dart had to carry the offense and LSU secondary and pass rush was ready. Uh, most of what I would say the offense actually fell on him because they weren't able to do much on the ground and their secondary, you know, LSU secondary rose to the occasion. Um, pass rush was, was on point and they kept dart off balance all afternoon. Um, they, you know, the LSU defenders were swamping the backfield. So it was a wild time for Dart, and he completed just 10 of his final 24 attempts, which is is not great, especially in an old old miss and Lane Kiffin offense. So those are my big three. Yeah, I, I agree. Old Miss's inconsistencies catching up to them finally. Uh, we've seen them kind of dance around them and skate around them and get away with things. 
but not not in this game. Uh, as you said, Jaden Daniels, an incredible game. Uh, he's been in the zone the past two games, if you think about it. He's uh, accounted for, uh, like you said, five total touchdowns in this game, 11 total in the past two games, which is just wild. After we watched how he started, uh, which wasn't mm-hmm. spectacular. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, after their bad loss to Tennessee, LSU is on the rise? <laughs> Question mark? Question Matt, mark? what do you think? Um, this was, I was so confused by this because I was anticipating this to be a game at least up through the half and then for Ole Miss to pull away. But somebody apparently didn't tell the Tigers that because they did what L- Ole Miss was supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, when I saw this score come across the phone, I was like, whoa, okay then. Um, I was really disappointed. Uh, I really wanted, I, I really wanted an Ole Miss Tennessee uh, rehash from last year in the SEC championship game with both teams undefeated. That's what I wanted. Um, It doesn't look like I'm going to get that this year though. Um, Although Ole Miss, like Jesse said, is still in contention. They're not completely out of the woodwork yet. They just got to find a way to beat Bama, um, which LSU is still in the contention as well. That's true. That's true as well. The only loss they have in conference plays Tennessee. So Um, yeah, the West is wide open at this point. Isn't it? Um, uh, except for AM, and <laughs> doesn't have a chance at this point. Which is so weird because usually um, we say it's the East that's wide open. Yeah, and- usually. Right. Well, aside from Tennessee and Georgia this season, yeah. Kentucky's kind of showed they were a paper tiger as well. Yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, what about Jaden Daniels here? Um, just completely slicing and dicing the Ole Miss defense. Um, and again, this was an Ole Miss defense that we thought was a little bit better than it's been. Uh, speaking historically, the last couple seasons, it's been pretty rough, um, but they've been pretty tight this season so far, but they weren't tight on Saturday. And as a result, LSU comes out with the dub. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's some wild storylines to follow uh, that we can uh, get more into later, but yeah, interesting stuff going on there. Uh, all right. Next was Vanderbilt at Mizzou. Uh, Mizzou winning this one 17 to 14. Matt got the point in this one. Uh, Missouri was up 17, nothing. And then Vanderbilt scored on a fumble recovery to make it 17 to seven. Then Mike Wright, who took over in the second half after AJ Swan got injured, uh, threw a uh, 80 yard touchdown pass to make it, uh, 17 to 14 at the end, Vanderbilt was driving to score again. And I was like, they're going to get that sec win. Right. Uh, but they just couldn't get enough push on the fourth and one came up short. Vandy remains at the bottom of the sec cellar. So what do you, what do you guys take aways from this one? Jump, jump in. I think Eli just saved his job. <laughs> yeah. Cause if they had lost to Vanderbilt, I don't know if he'd have got back on the bus to Columbia. I don't know uh, if that have worked that probably not Columbia. I'm sorry. Where's Missouri at? Are they yeah. in? Yeah. Is it Columbia, Missouri? Columbia, okay. Missouri. Yeah, you yeah. knew what I, you yeah. knew what I meant. Yeah. So yeah. Um, big win uh, for Missouri to pull that one out. It'll be interesting to see what they can build off of with this. Missouri has struggled uh, mightily this season. So um, I don't want to say it's a struggle win because it's Vanderbilt, but it kind of was a struggle win, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the, the play of the week, maybe of the month to me was in this game, which it sounds weird to say between these two teams. Right. But in this game, Vandy's uh, CJ Taylor at one point that, you know, I talk about the fumble recovery for touchdown. He hurdled Mizzou's offensive lineman while Anthony orgy. Yes. That's his real name. Nailed the quarterback and caused a fumble, which Taylor scooped up and scored on. And if you've seen it, 
it looks wild. I actually shared it on our uh, Insta, on the, our stories. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible. You have one guy leaping over the line here. You have another guy, you know, just flying <coughs> in and nailing the quarterback. It's it's wild to watch. So I, if you haven't seen it, check it out because it's wild. <clears throat> um, and then, yeah, my other only other takeaway was I really wanted Vandy to get one here, uh, which they almost did, but they, they kind of Vandied at the end. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it, I, the defense is the only okay thing about Mizzou. I can't say good. It's not good. It's like, eh? like if you're going to find a silver lining, um, Brady Cook has a clear limitation to what he can do. Uh, the O-line doesn't seem like they can stop any D-line. Their receivers are not consistent. Um, I don't know that they have a run game. The punt team not great. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of problems. And then the defense is like, meh, but you can't win football games when only one third of your team is doing meh, but they somehow won this one. (laughs) Yeah. sorry, I tried to find one thing. It helps, uh, who your opponent is, I guess at at times. So that this literally is a struggle win because it's against Vandy and it's so close. Mm-hmm. That is a struggle. Yeah. Um, two, all guys, right. two guys in the basement duking it out with each other. Just, <laughs> yeah, it really was a lot. It just kind of happens. You know how we talk mm-hmm. about like changing of the guard, and it's usually you know like teams that are fighting for the top spot. Well, this was almost a changing of the guard in the cellar. So, <laughs> like, who's down there? Um, what does the ESPN call it? The bottom ten or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Um, all right. Uh, next, uh, Mississippi State at Alabama. Bama winning this one 30 to six. Uh, you guys actually had the same differential, um, different scores, but the same differential. So we did the math. And Jesse gets the point. So congratulations, Yay! Jesse. Um, you know what I just realized? I just realized I didn't total up the points this week, but you guys, we can. We can I thought you were doing that to be dramatic or something. No, no. I I'm just, still I did, losing. So it's okay. But you did pick up some ground. I, yeah, I'll, we'll figure it that out. Um, but I'm still losing by like a lot. <laughs> hey, you got to start somewhere, right? Um, Jesse, I would love for you to summarize this game as an Alabama fan. What were your feelings? What were your thoughts? And kind of walk us through it a little bit. Um, first of all, ESPN or I don't know if it's ESPN or CBS, whatever this graphic is where you're trying to show like possession turnovers, total yards, first down, you got to use a different color. The colors are too close. It's really hard to see. Um, someone has to change. So it's it's not going to be. That is ESPN, by the way. Yeah. yeah, ESPN. Too hard to see. Um, this was this was a good one. We were back in you know in Bryant's Denny, which was super helpful. Uh, it was a night game and uh, our homecoming game, so that was really cool. And unfortunately, historically. Uh, Mississippi state has had to come in after Alabama has had a road loss and it has been rough. And up until quite literally the last second of this ball game, Mississippi state had not scored a touchdown in Bryant Denny stadium in eight years. The last person to throw a touchdown for Mississippi state in Bryant Denny was Dak Prescott, just to bring everybody back to reality. Uh, but they did score in the last second of that game. Um, so my, you know, first takeaway is here. There's a few, um, first is Bama's O-line did much better with pass protection. Uh, we, I think did an excellent job and, you know, only allowing two sacks, which, you know, coming off the Tennessee game was not the case there. Uh, and 
Bryce Young had all the time in the world. I mean, if you watched him on some of those plays, even when he was somewhat scrambling, yeah, yeah. he had so much. I mean, at one point he's like looking at the receiver, holding the ball and he's just going, just move over a little bit. <laughs> like it was insane. Um, the run game did not do as well, but it was okay. Uh, I mean, we were held to just 29 rushing yards on 27 carries, which is by far the worst showing for us. However, we got it done in the passing game. Um, I thought our secondary did a lot better. We were obliterated and gassed in the Tennessee game. And I think some people's jobs got threatened and we brought in some talent that was hungry uh, to not, not sit on the bench. So after being embarrassed, uh, this was kind of our secondary's bounce back game. And, and we really got what we were looking for. Uh, we held Will Rogers to just 231 yards passing, which is his worst game of the season. And Alabama also had a season high 15 pass breakups, which was led by Eli Ricks and Kool-Aid McKinstry uh, with four. So Ricks made his first start of the season for us. And he was looking really sharp. Like I said, we, we kind of went through the secondary and said, you know, who's going to come in and do your job. And Eli Ricks came in and did a job, which was awesome to see. Uh, the next thing, which I know we harped on last week was penalties, but for the first time this season, we're going to talk positively about Bama penalties. Uh, we had 17 the week before, which, uh, still makes me want to crawl into a hole, but we cleaned up a lot of things and we were only flagged three times against Mississippi state. So not only did we reduce our penalties, but we actually got a few roughing the passer penalties called in our favor. Um, and you know, a penalty that they did not get called in, in the Tennessee game a week ago, which before it wasn't even, you know, roughing the passer at that point, it was, it was targeting. So that didn't get called. Um, again, we're constantly seeing this roughing the passer evolving. It's evolving in the pros it's evolving here and we're all trying to figure it out, I think, but, um, it did get called quite a bit in this game. And then, uh, the next one is, like I said, Mississippi state scored in quite literally the last second of, um, of the game, which actually might be an okay thing. And I say this because if you watch back, what happened defensive back to Marco Hellams was furious at the secondary for missing, uh, you know, their job, their assignment. And I think it was probably a backup in at that point, but still we wanted to shut them out again and not allow a touchdown. So he was furious. Saban was very frustrated. You could see him on the sideline freaking out, but that's kind of a good thing because what Saban says is, you know, we always want to take these failures, which, you know, allowing them a touchdown and still beating them is not necessarily a failure, but he wants to take the failures and not waste them. He wants them to improve the team. And so I think this is a, a good teaching moment. Um, even though it only lasted quite literally a second, I think it's a good teaching moment. Um, and then the one thing I do want to mention too, is this was a tough game for our friends at Mississippi state, uh, for the players, for the fans, and for those that are family members of them. Um, Sam Westmoreland, who was a freshman football player, passed away just two days before the game. And that's really tough for those guys to come in and be dealing with that grief and come into uh, that environment. So kudos to them. They were they were great while they were in Bryant-Denny. We've seen so many stories of, of them. You see the story of Bull Rogers helping one of our very elderly event staff, you know, up a ramp. 
and um, the the moment of silence for him before the game and all of the the stickers on the helmets of not just Mississippi State, but also Vanderbilt did it, Mizzou did it. So a really good grounding uh, experience, I think, for all of the fans, uh, especially probably us Bama fans that thought we were in despair last week. It's a sobering moment just to remember that this is just a game um, and the people that play this game are are people and they matter. And it's, it's far beyond football at that point. So our thoughts and prayers really do go out to Sam Westmoreland's family and those at Mississippi state. Yeah. 100%. Um, in, uh, and, and I did, uh, you're talking about Will Rogers that, um, that did like, like we were talking earlier, it didn't uh, make me think that, uh, you know, what, what, a you know, a fun, uh, Fun thing for him to do, but just a reminder of uh, again, it's just a game. Uh, he he obviously wasn't necessarily pleased with his performance in that game, uh, but at the end of the day, it is just a game. And uh, you know, doing things like uh, helping her up the ramp, uh, the the elderly lady up the ramp, and just uh, again, just uh, something uh, in in life to to do that reminds us that it's just a game. So, um, also, did anybody else? I know I texted you guys this, but. I didn't realize Will Rogers quite literally looked like he was nine years old. Yeah. He has the youngest looking face I have ever seen. I, I don't know that I've just never paid attention to him without his helmet on. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's just got one of those faces. I don't know. But uh, I, I did. You were talking about how furious the team was at the uh, at the end. I did see uh, Saban sneak a smile there on the sideline. I did see that when he was standing with Bryce. Um, oh my god! He let he, he, they he, won't say what they said. No, they won't. So they um, interviewed Saban and Bryce afterwards. They interviewed Saban first, and, she, and Holly asked him. She said, "What were you talking about?" I saw you smiling with Bryce, and I saw Bryce smiling, and he was just like. I don't know. And then they interviewed Bryce and they were like, what were you and coach talking about? And he said, did you already yeah. ask him? And she said, yeah, he wouldn't tell me. And he goes, I was just going right. to say what he said. He's he's not going to say anything different than what coach said. No, <laughs> I just, it was the most precious little interaction though. And a yeah. very rare one. In, in terms of the game, I will never, number one, I will never understand why teams that aren't expected to be Alabama, but are hanging with them early, throw away points. <laughs> by deciding to go for it on fourth down instead of just kicking the field goal and getting the points. I will never understand that. <laughs> Steelers. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Well, that that's a different struggle. That's just, uh, <laughs> that's just ugly. That is uh that is uh tanking at this point, probably <laughs> at two and five. Anyway, um, Bama gets back to form in this one. Um, I didn't think Mississippi state's defense did terrible. Um, all things considered, one defense did pretty well. Yeah, the offense didn't do them any favors, though. It is funny. You look at the scoreboard, and it looks like a, it's it's lopsided, but you look at literally every other stat, and they're all just like split down the middle almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just an interesting uh, stat to see. Um, and then I think that kind of goes back to, though, I think Mississippi State is just not really ready for games like this yet um they'll surprise some people here and there but ultimately they're still kind of mid-tier and you mike leach even well he didn't allude to it he said it that um you just put an alabama jersey out there and our guys get scared (laughs) so um you know uh, whether that's true or not and i know he's i know he's just trying to motivate his team but that was interesting what do you think matt 
Yeah, I uh, I don't understand that either. As as a former football coach, I don't think I would have uh, said something like that. And I understand the the mentality of it. But Leach is an open book. If he's going to tell you what he's thinking, like he's not going to hold back any punches. He's going to be very honest and open. So I mean, this is par for the course for him. Um, the thing that kind of shocked me here was that you know Bama puts up twenty four points in the first half and then only six in the in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if Saban decided to take the dogs off after in the second half or what happened there exactly. But uh, I feel like this should have been a score of like 42 or 45 to six. Um, so interesting, interesting call. Maybe he's resting them to get them ready for next week. Maybe that's what he did. He's pulled them a little early because he saw the Mississippi State's offense wasn't able to do a whole lot. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, ultimately, Bama getting back to, to normal and uh, Mississippi Mississippi State struggling struggling uh, against them. Um, all right, uh, next in the final game, which was <laughs> just blew me away, and we were texting about it as it happened. Texas A&M at South Carolina. South Carolina, man, thirty to twenty one, winning this one. Matt, Matt gets the point in this one. Um, Wait a minute, I picked South Carolina. You did. Oh, look at me. Okay. Go back and look at the make sure, but I'm pretty sure you did. did. Okay. Um, it, you know, and Jesse, you even texted us when it happened. The 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 game gets started with the 100 yard kickoff return for a touchdown by South Carolina's Xavier Leggett to start the game. Um, they also returned or turned a fumble and an interception into 10 points as well. So, you know, getting points off the turnovers, doing what they need to do there. Uh, Haynes King for AM left the game in the fourth quarter with an injury to his throwing shoulder. So uh, freshman Connor Wigman got to play, which was interesting. I mean, he's talented, but he's young. Um, so uh, the crowd noise at Williams Bryce stadium caused most of AM's eight false start penalties. And, well, uh, I think Beamer was a little surprised at that, but grateful he was <laughs> like, thank you on the uh, post-game interview. Um, SC able to hold them off at the end uh, for a huge win. So, uh, gosh, what do you guys make of this? What are your takeaways from this one? LOL. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I sorry, I own sorry. my trollness. <laughs> I own my trollness. Um, the first is, and we've talked about, uh, you know, a decent amount. Spencer Rattler is not the guy to build your team's identity around. He's mediocre, but Marshawn Lloyd might be the chess piece to build it around. And he now has 451 rushing yards and eight touchdowns in his last four games and another TD catch. So in my opinion, he needs to be this offense's identity, no matter if, Beamer thought that that was going to be uh, the case or not. I think, I think he's the guy and Spencer Rattler is just, you know, the one that's going to hand it off. Um, This was a few first for South Carolina. So it's the first time South Carolina has won four straight games since 2013. That hurts. Um, It's also the first win over A&M ever since they are now there, you know, their West rival, I guess. I don't know. Cross division rival. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, First time in a really long time that I think the Gamecocks have had a super hyped home crowd that is like losing their minds, causing all of those penalties. Sandstorm was rocking. uh, Yeah, they were. And at night they're wearing like cool black helmets. How fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a stat that I saw that because we're in spooky season and it's fun to talk about curses. 
Uh, there may be such a thing as a Carolina coaches curse. And I say oh. this, so let's talk about Jimbo really quick. His contract is through 2031 and they are paying this man 9 million a year. So his job is likely not in jeopardy per se. However, losing to South Carolina has been bad for several SEC coaches. If we go back to our crystal ball and we look into it, Philip Fulmer of Tennessee in 2008, Will Muschamp in 2014, and Dan Mullen in 2021 all lost their jobs shortly after losing to the Gamecocks. Hmm. Hmm. That is something. Surely, surely the boosters at AM aren't going to fork up that much money. There's you know, no chance of that. That is so much money to that just a say, ton of cash. leave. Uh, I mean, look at <laughs> yeah. that rule. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know why I mean, they're that much to begin with. But, man, mm. huh. to, to be that desperate to get rid of somebody, you have to have a lock. That's going to be your next hire again with all of these. Well, we got to get rid of so-and-so that's fine. Who are you going to get? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I like a good conspiracy curse. <laughs> well, you know, a and going to have to play Ole Miss next week. And if they come out and get absolutely thumped by Kiffin, it's possible. Yeah. Feasible. Or they could lose that game to Florida on the fifth. That could also happen. Yeah. It's not outside the realm of possibility, or they could drop that game to UMass on the 19th of November. (laughs) Well, uh, while you got the floor, did you have any takeaways on this one, Matt? Uh, Just uh, how in the world did did Carolina get to five and two? Like we were (laughs) talking at the beginning of the year that Carolina was going to be the doormat in the SEC East. And here they are sitting at five and two. Their only two losses are to, um, ah, crap. I closed that tab. They, I think they lost to Arkansas and Georgia. That's the only two games they've lost. Um, So is Beamer the guy? Is he the one that's going to turn Carolina football around? I I don't know. I don't know. Really curious to see what you guys think about in the, in the speed round. We'll get into that a little bit further. LSU is six and two (laughs) and Carolina is five and two. I'm just saying things are turning out very strangely. Tennessee's undefeated. Yeah. Like yeah. who who saw that coming? I know I sure didn't. Nope. Well, uh yeah, Carolina's got they've got four wins in a row. First time in nine years that's happened. Um, so they got that going for them. Uh, on the other side, like I said, we get to see uh for AM, we get to see uh, Connor Wigman, which is he the future of AM? And uh, you know, I I wonder if he'll get the start next week, and and I'm, I'm curious to see what some of the A and M sites I was reading are calling for it. Yeah, well, and they may not have a choice um, if uh, yeah. if King. I don't know what his injury, the extent of it is. Um, so yeah, A and M falls to three and four, one and three in the conference. Um, like I said, or like we were saying earlier, Jimbo probably safe because of the buyout. But man, you know how we were talking about how things were just kind of so-so average, but not weren't getting any better under Kevin Sumlin. Uh, things are looking worse now. It's not yeah. just mediocre. It's it's looking bad. I, I I saw somebody tweet the stat. He has one less win than Kevin Sumlin did at this point in his career at A and M. Yeah, I think I think I think someone had thirty-eight wins. Jimbo has thirty-seven. And he's getting paid way more. <laughs> he's getting paid a lot more than Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin didn't even close to what he got paid. Mm-mm. Oh, no, not at all. 
Mm. Yeah. That's that's a bad look. You bad. start the season ranked at what was it? Six? Were they six? They were yeah, up there. I, mean, I don't they, remember. They were, they were, they were top six, ten. Seven. It was which yeah. again, way too much hype, but you start that high. Well, and also, you know, I look at the recruiting classes that we were talking about earlier or before. And it's like when you're pulling in that kind of talent, but you're having this kind of performance and that speaks to development, that speaks to coaching. Yeah, well, and they're so. playing, it seems like they're playing to their opponent's level. And in a lot of cases, it's down mm-hmm. um, and worse. It's like they're playing to the level and then just they're like, we're going to go one further and they're just not executing they're not doing what they need to do you see it with south carolina um i mean i know they we barely beat them but again they were playing to our level and then you know appalachian state all of that it's you can't do that you got to play to your level Mm -hmm. yeah again coaching so we'll see um all right, let's uh, uh, get into a little bit of listener feedback. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, so just a couple of comments here from uh, some listeners. Uh, first one is from Andrew. He says uh, he doesn't think Bama should be in the running for the CFP. Two close games that should have ended in a loss. Um, I don't know. Um, Jesse, I'm not going to ask you first because I know what you're going to say. But <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what do you, what do you think? Just looking at at the the losses or the, the one loss, obviously, but then a couple of other, you know, closer games. Do you think that warrants them not being in the conversation? I, I think that if Bama finds a way to win the West and get to Atlanta, I think you have to be automatically in in CFP contention, um, especially if you've only got a one loss, uh, one loss. And that's to uh, the current lead team in the SEC. Oh, that sounds weird to say. Um, but if you, except for Georgia, excuse me. So aside from that, I don't see how you can leave them out in the cold, especially if they win the West. I mean, let's be frank here. If you win the West, you're the top dog in the SEC. You're one of the top dogs in the SEC, which means you need to be in the CFP contention or conversation when it happens. Um, so if Bama finds a way to win the SEC and they've only got the one loss to Tennessee, I don't see how you leave them out. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, obviously they're talking about the the Texas game and they're talking about the A&M game. Um, but again, like you said, they did what they needed to do. And let's not forget A&M was with a backup quarterback as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot of factors. I, I, I don't see how you can just um, say that they shouldn't be in there. Um, although, we you know, put up, look how many points we put up against Tennessee. Like mm-hmm. we allowed them to put up a ton of points too, but we also put up that many points. And my question back is who instead of us deserves to be in the conversation? Who, who would you then put into it? Ohio state. Ohio state, Michigan, Texas not Christian university. Don't forget Clemson. Right? Like Clemson is number five. Put Don't Clemson in the on. SEC. Don't even get started on Clemson. I, I mean, I've already argued with Clemson dang, fans. Dang I Syracuse. Not all weekend. All weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Our next one was uh, from Rodell. I apologize if that's not pronounced correctly. He's uh, his biggest takeaway is uh, if LSU beats Bama, we are easily a top 10 team. I, if we're just taking that as a, you know, imaginary world uh, thing, I, I can't really argue with that. If they were to pull that off. Um, I, yeah, sure. They would be deserving of a top 10 team. What do you guys think? I think they get in. I think they get in the top 10. I think. 
Uh, Matt, you're shaking your head. I, I just, when you look at their resume so far this season, their first loss was to Florida State by a point. And granted, that was really, you know, way, way, way back beginning of the season. Yeah. But let's remember, this is a Florida State team that's lost three straight in the last three weeks to Wake, Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson. So, eh, granted, those are three top 25 teams. But, but we know the valid- what they do is, unfortunately, <laughs> whether or not anybody else thinks we deserve to be in the CFP contention, Anytime someone beats Bama, it's like they won a national championship and they skyrocket in the polls. That's true. Regardless of, well, of anything else. I wouldn't say skyrocketed. But, like, but, but yeah. So isn't it so going to be LSU, weird though? One one day, and Jesse, forgive me, but no, it's going to happen. One day, be, you're going to beat Bama and it's going to be what you should have done. I mean, it's it's going to happen sooner or later. It's going to be like when Bama soon. beats people. <laughs> Because when we right. beat people, it's just Saturday. When people beat right. us, it's throw a parade. <laughs> right. Well, it has not always be, been that way. I understand. Fair though, Jesse. You have to remember if you it, never mind. Let's stay on down the task of here. So LSU with that open season, opening season loss for state kind of mitigates some of their impact. And then from there, they don't play another top 25 team until they get nuked by Tennessee a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then they managed to beat Ole Miss, but even if they beat Bama next week, top 10, eh, maybe top 15, sure. But I don't know if that would necessarily constitute top 10 team. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if they I just, agree with it. They're, they're 18 right now. Uh, I think if they win next week, you move them up to 12, 11, maybe 10 if somebody in front of them loses. But I don't see mm-hmm. – you're not moving them up to six or five or seven. Like that's yeah, it, it would be quite quite the vault from where they were for sure. But yeah. um, I think you stack stack that up with a surprise win at Ole Miss or against Ole Miss, and um, I, I don't know. Now you talking about <laughs> um, controversial stuff. I don't know if I would have stormed the field after that. Uh, that was um, that was a bit much uh, at LSU. Oh, at LSU. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're talking. Since we're talking about LSU, I was like, uh, I know they pulled off that winning against Ole Miss. Yeah, it was a good win. Not sure I would have stormed the field for it. Not a storm the field kind. It's not like Act they just beat them for the first time in 15 like years. You've been there. You're not that far from a natty. You're like really not that far. Also, no, really because are. they uh that was like their third offense or whatever, their fine was wait, what was Tennessee's was like hundred K, right? Hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. by the way, the Tennessee fan base raised to pay off. But anyway, go ahead. But I think LSU's was like, was it like 250? It was a lot more. It was 250 yeah. or 300 or something like that. I think that. it's I think it's 50 grand the first time, 100 grand the second time, it's 250 the third time. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say I, theirs I think, was significantly I, more. So I think the four, fourth time you have to sacrifice the mascot of the 50 yard line or something like that. <laughs> something like that. All and right, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, Auburn may have done that at some point. Uh, I guarantee it's, it's Auburn's new... done something. There's some blood in that field. I'll tell you that right now. No doubt. They did some weird juju over there. No doubt. Sacrificed All right, a goat in the end zone. <laughs> well, goat wearing a sweater vest. Goat so, wearing um... a sweater vest. Exactly right. All right, let's do a quick uh, speed round here. Speed round. Is uh, all right. So uh, let's start off with uh, with a good one here. Uh, we talked about Ole Miss and uh, their struggles. My question to you guys, and Jesse, let's start with you first on this one: Is Ole Miss exposed and done, or are they more motivated than ever after that loss? I I think they're exposed. I don't know that they're done. I think it's what we've been talking about, where 
they start slow, they're playing to the level of their competition. And then they decide in the second half that they'll actually play some football. And you can't do that. You have to play four quarters of football, of good football. Um, so I think in the past, honestly, almost decade, their defense has been a concern for Ole Miss and it's still a concern. So I believe that they are motivated. However, motivation only gets you so far and you actually have to execute. I don't think they're done. They still have a decent record and they probably still will have a decent record, but they, their weaknesses were exposed. Matt. Yeah, I don't think they're done. I have a hard time imagining Lane Kiffin's going to let that team just kind of flounder at this point. Um, I think he'll find a way to get them remotivated, get them to, to get them, get them back up where they need to be. I, I don't see them limping their way into the end of the season. I just don't see that happening. So I'm calling it. I'm going from calling a uh, a Tennessee Ole Miss SEC championship last weekend to completely flip flopping and saying that Ole Miss is done. And I don't mean that that uh, that Lane Kiffin's going to let them just flounder and whatever. But I think they were exposed. They have been dancing around, you know, a loss all season, really, when we watch them struggle with inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've seen uh, how they can be beaten and they still have tougher opponents to play. And so I just see more. I see lo- the losses mounting for them. It may motivate them for next year. We saw this with. Um, oh, my goodness. Matt, Matt Corral. Corral. Remember, Matt Corral did not start off well, and that team was not great. Mm-hmm. when he was in his first, you know, couple of years, but then he really matured and you could see that with, with Jackson Dart and the rest of this team. However, I don't think it's their offense. That is the issue. It's their defense. And it yeah. always has been. Right. And so when the, when the offense isn't firing on all cylinders, that's, that's not a good thing. Um, wait, a wait, 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 hold on guys. This is a team that's seven and one you're writing them off because they lost to LSU. Um, I, am. I, I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do that. Well, I nope, nope. I can't do that. I don't agree. Yeah. I'm going to humbly disagree with you. Uh, cool. Let's remember <laughs> this is an old Miss team. That's going to get a chance to kind of re re kind of regroup next week against A&M. That should be a cakewalk for that offense. Um, Cause A&M's offense nope. can't really keep up. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that's going to be a cakewalk for old Miss. And then, you know, they're going to probably run into a little bit of a buzzsaw with Alabama, but I, I, I don't, you're looking at a two loss, Ole Miss team, I, I don't see them struggling. I, I don't see that. Uh, I just, I dismiss it out of hand. <laughs> I hear you. No, I like it. Um, all right. Uh, next one. Could we see, and I didn't want to get there just quite yet in our previous discussion about South Carolina, but could we see South Carolina roll into Gainesville on November the 12th at seven and two? Keep in mind their next two games are against Missouri and Vanderbilt. Matt, let's start with you first this time. What do you think their odds are at rolling into Gainesville? Seven and two. Well, I think with who they've got over those next two weeks before you get down there, they've got a pretty good chance of it. I mean, they're the running games being, being uh, put on full display like we talked about. Um, um, I forget what's the name of the running back. I just had it and then I lost it. Lloyd. Um, yes, thank you. He's been having a heck of a stretch over the last – yeah, Marshawn Lloyd has had a heck of a stretch over the last couple of games. 
Um, and I don't, you know, Spencer Rattler is just good enough to kind of help you get by. He's not great by any stretch, um, but he's decent enough to help you get a couple wins. I think that if they lean on the running game, especially against weak teams like Missouri and Vanderbilt, surely they should be able to get to Gainesville seven and two. And I would probably venture to say they probably walk out of Gainesville at, at, at eight and two. I don't see oh, that. Snap. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> see them losing to Florida. Yeah. Okay. Jesse. I I think the Gamecocks are going to be in a very warm weather bowl game. Uh, I I have to agree. I think they're going to win against Mizzou because they're abysmal. Same with Vanderbilt. I don't know that they get it done against Florida potentially, but I think you're seeing a uh, a South Carolina team waltzing into a lovely bowl. I think that's right. going to depend a lot on what happens with them in Clemson at the end of the season. If they're able to keep with and end up beating Clemson, no, Ooh, yeah, but, that, but I, mm. I don't, I don't foresee them beating. Well, I, you know what? We I say don't that think they beat Clemson, the but they could be back at the Duke's Mayo Bowl. They could be. I mean, I don't know. I, I think Clemson is very beatable. I think they, I think they very beatable. Be, maybe <laughs> if they get just the right breaks and they get right calls and. Beamer calls the game of his life and Spencer Rattler finally turns into that Heisman contender. He told us he was going to be then maybe. I don't think Spencer Rattler is going to do that, but I mean, they can walk into like an Outback bowl. Who knows? Everybody loves Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, uh, I don't know. I I think uh, I tend to think that they will. I think they'll go down there seven and two. I think they'll be okay against Mizzou and Vanderbilt. So um look out here comes south carolina so um all right let's do our last speed round question is lsu's rebuild ahead of schedule or should we pump the brakes on that what do you guys think pump the brakes pump the brakes and i'm not saying that because i'm a bama fan i'm saying that because matt brought up the record before and i know they're six and two four and one in the sec i get it Right. Like I, I understand, but they do have to play Bama. I'm not saying that that's a, a guaranteed loss for them, but it will be a test. Um, Arkansas will also be a test. And then AM is too finicky to even know what's happening. So who knows? But I think this is showing a lot of promise. I don't know that they're just back because I also have to think about the coach O years where we had our lightning in a bottle and everyone mm-hmm. thought that LSU was God's gift to earth. And then they were abysmal. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, like we said, uh, LSU is tied for first in the sec West and add on to that. They have the head to head against Ole Miss. So they're already <laughs> looking kind of favorable. I don't know. I I'm going to say that they are probably, Oh, I'm going to say pump the brakes as well. Um, yes, they're six and two. They got a lot of tough games coming up, though. I could easily see them dropping um, two, possibly three out of those. So, um, yeah, Matt, let's, what do you think? Let's. I, I'm I'm with the pump the brakes crowd as well because again, let's remember this is a team that lost to a pretty rough Florida State team at the beginning of the season, and then they have not played any top twenty five teams except for Tennessee, and that was a nuke. So that yeah. automatically makes them a little suspect in my book. They've managed to find a way to beat LSU pretty handedly this past week. Or sorry, Ole Miss this past weekend. I don't see them doing that to Bama. I don't see them boat racing Arkansas either. Um, I think Arkansas is probably going to give them a little bit 
more trouble than they're ready for. And um, I just, yeah, I, I think the Chip Kelly era is off to a good start, but let's not go ahead and start claiming that. Or sorry, Brian Kelly. What did I say? Chip Kelly? Chip yeah. Kelly's over at UCLA. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, let's not, let's not, one of the Kellys, uh, let's not go <laughs> ahead and say that he's the second coming of Les Miles. I, there's no need for that yet. We're not there. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that was a good speed round. Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about the upcoming games and make some predictions. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. All right. The first game is Arkansas at four and three, one and three in the SEC at Auburn, three and four, one and three in the SEC. That is noon on SEC Network. Um, both of these teams coming off a of bye week. Um, so one thing that I, I read about this is Sam Pittman is uh, worried about Auburn's ground game. <laughs> but the question is, is Auburn going to give the ball to tank? <laughs> it's like, um, sure, he might be worried, but we've seen Auburn struggle to, to call a, a game plan that gets him involved. Um, Jesse, what is your prediction? It's still weird to me that Arkansas is one and three in the SEC. I had such high hopes. But I I do believe that they can get it done against Auburn from what I've seen of the Tigers this season. I just don't think they have it in them. This is this is not their year. Now I say that, watch them go into Iron Bowl. Uh, but I am going to pick the Razorbacks 28 to 24 because I do think these teams are unfortunately pretty well matched. All right, Matt. If this was a night game, Jordan Hare, I would probably be tempted to pick Auburn, but the fact this is a noon kickoff automatically makes me think that Arkansas has a better chance than they would normally. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Arkansas here too. I think um, I think this is going to be a little bit of a barn burner at the end. Uh, it's going to be a lot of back and forth. I think I think KJ Jefferson gets a late drive to put this thing out of reach, and you end up with Arkansas winning third and twenty-one. All right, yeah, I know uh, weird things happen at Jordan Hare, as we've said. Yeah. And uh, Robbie Ashford showed uh, some promise, uh, but uh, KJ Jefferson is back and Arkansas is back to winning. I'm going to go with uh, Arkansas 27 to 24. So a little bit different than Jesse's slightly. All right. Um, all right. Next is uh, Florida at four and three, one and three in the SEC versus number one, Georgia at seven and oh, four and oh in the SEC. That is 330 on CBS from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida. A uh, little bit of history here. The first game between these teams, uh, they can't even agree on that. It was either in 90, 1904 or 1915, depending on who you ask, with the exception of wartime interruption. In 1943, they have played every season since 1926. Georgia leads either 53 and 42 and 2, according to Florida, or 54 or 44 and 2, according to Georgia. First meeting in Jacksonville was in 1933, and they're um, – They've been there ever since, with only a couple of exceptions. Like most things in the 1930s, the railroad was a factor. I read that this week. I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Because I was like, why Jacksonville? <laughs> Fans from Athens and Gainesville could both access Jacksonville more easily due to the railroad. So, fun fact there. Um, Jesse, what is your prediction for Florida versus Georgia? This one's always a fun one. Uh, the the Georgia-Florida game is actually my first uh, college football game. So, that was exciting. Oh, yeah. Was that... But was I there too? You Did were, you, you and it yeah. was uh, it was Tim Tebow's first game back after his concussion against Kentucky, where yep. he broke Herschel Walker's 
rushing record. It is very hard to say quickly. Um, it, helps to, it helps to be playing against the mighty Joe Cox and George. It did. Anyway. It did. That was a, that was a wild, that was actually the game too, where like Brandon Spikes tried to gouge that guy's yes. eye out. Yeah. yeah. Wild time. First football game or college one. But I do not think that the Gators are going to win. I think it's going to be Georgia. However, despite how these teams play, usually they play each other very, very tough because it is a very fun rivalry. So I think that Florida's gonna gonna get some moxie and, and put up some points. But in the end, the Bulldogs are gonna win. So I'm gonna pick UGA 31 to 24. All right. Matt, what do you think? I just I have a hard time imagining that Florida is going to really be able to keep up with this. Let's keep in mind that Anthony Richardson has not really done a whole lot this year for Florida's offense to instill a lot of confidence. So far through the season, he has 1,300 yards passing, six touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Um, so as far as keeping in the air, not the best idea. I don't think that they're going to be able to run much on that front four for, uh, for Georgia. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick UGA in this one, 38 to 20. All right. Yeah, Georgia's favored by 22, and I want to believe it, but uh, it really just depends mm-hmm. on which Georgia team shows up, to be honest. Um, I say, as we talked about even on the show last week, and uh, Jacob mentioned how Richardson is just on a team where he's just like the only one who's kind of like, you know, the world beater on the team. Nobody else is really going to help him out. I think if we stack the line, bring pressure, force him to make throws under duress, uh, I think that that will accomplish what we want to do. Um, and I think if we can do that, things will go well for the dogs. I got uh, Georgia winning this one, 34 to 13. All right. Um, next is uh, Missouri at three and four, one and three in the SEC at number 25, South Carolina, five and two, two and two in the SEC, four o'clock on SEC network. Uh, both of these teams coming off wins, South Carolina against AM, Missouri against Vanderbilt, uh, South Carolina, has not beaten Missouri since 2018. So a little, little history there. And at number 25, this is the first time South Carolina has been ranked in the AP poll since 2018 as well. So it's feeling like 2018 <laughs> in South Carolina yeah. right now. Um, so uh, Jesse, what's your prediction? I think Carolina is going to be hyped and I think Mizzou is trash. So <laughs> I am going to go with the Gamecocks 21 to 17. Matt? I think this is going to be the hangover game for South Carolina. I don't think they're going to lose this game. However, I don't think that they're going to come out and be guns blazing the entire time. I think they pull away at the end uh, to put the thing away. So I'm going to say South Carolina wins this game 21-14. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you, Matt. They're coming off a huge win against AM, and this is going to be one of those weird games that South Carolina is not really used to. They're dealing with pats on the back and the rat poison and stuff that, you know, it's not typically going on, you know, there at South Carolina. Uh, I do think that they survive a letdown game. I think this is one of those where they kind of maybe win in spite of a few things. And I got South Carolina winning this one, 27 to 21. Um, All right. Next is number 19, Kentucky at five and two, two and two in the SEC at number three, Tennessee, seven and oh, three and oh in the SEC. That is seven o'clock on ESPN. Um, After, as I mentioned earlier, after last week's non-conference opponent, Tennessee will play SEC teams for the rest of the season. Um, It's interesting to see the differing styles on offense. This is going to be quite a contrast. Uh, The Vols averaged 2.85 plays per minute 
And the Wildcats average 1.86 plays per minute, so about a full extra play per minute for Tennessee, uh, which, as you might expect, just according to the play style, um, Kentucky is second in the SEC behind Georgia in scoring defense. But this will be their toughest test of the season, probably. Jesse, what are your predictions for this one? Yeah, this one, this one is not going to be what I would have assumed at the beginning of the season as, you know, as a, a fun one to watch. That's so going to be really dynamic. I think Tennessee puts Kentucky away pretty easily. I still think that, you know, as long as Will Levis plays, it'll be a little bit of a difference maker, but he still has to be on point. So I'm going to pick the balls 38 to 21. All right, Matt, what do you got for your balls? Yeah, I uh, I don't foresee this game being very tight at all. Um, I think that Kentucky has a stout defense, but the problem is, is I don't think they played any offenses that really challenged them uh, like uh, Tennessee's offense is going to. Um, there's rumors circulating at the moment that we may have Cedric Tillman back for this game. Um, and if you get him back and Jalen Hyatt plus Squirrel White plus the running backs you have in the backfield and the playmaking ability of Hennon Hooker, I just don't see it ending well for the Cats this week. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Tennessee to win this thing big, 42-20, and that last Kentucky touchdown comes in garbage time when the third string's in. Gotcha. But you know what? You may want to keep Tillman out uh, just to make sure he's safe. You probably don't need him. Yeah, maybe. And maybe. then like uh, I said, just rumors at this point. Yeah. And then he's fresh for Georgia. I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right. Um, I have for this one. Uh, I'm not really sure how the schedule worked out here where Tennessee got three home games in a row, <laughs> but it's ideal to continue. Like Arkansas and Florida. They had so <laughs> many home games in a row. Yeah. It's ideal to continue that mo uh, momentum mid season. So I'll, I'll give them that. Um, Kentucky's predicted to lose by less than two touchdowns. I'm not really sure what they're looking at on that one. Um, because with this high powered vol offense, I just don't see that being a thing. And if they get hot look out. So um, I think, uh, I think they do uh, get hot. That is and Tennessee wins this one, 42 to 24. I will say that if uh, they want to keep this one close, Kentucky is going to have to have slow methodical drives led by Levis and Rodriguez uh, to keep Tennessee's offense off the field. So if they do have a chance, I think that's going to have to be the recipe. So we'll see. I think, I think a big problem for tennis for Kentucky, excuse me, is going to be running the ball. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball that well against Tennessee. Throw yeah. the ball, sure. You can throw all day on Tennessee secondary. Uh, you, you're going to have a hard time running the ball. So, yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to figure out something, some kind of uh, different play calling, something. Um, all right. And then the final game of the day, Ole Miss, uh, number 15 Ole Miss at 7-1, 3-1 in the SEC at Texas A&M, 3-4, 1-3 in the SEC. That stat just doesn't look real. Uh, <laughs> 7-30 on SEC Network. So again, will Connor Wigman get the start for AM? We'll we'll see. Uh, we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, one thing interesting to note here is Ole Miss is fighting for the West, and AM is fighting for their pride at this point and not wanting to lose recruits. So um, Jesse, what's your prediction for this one? I feel like Lane Kiffin is going to be handing out like business cards to the AM bench. Like if you want to transfer, if you want to transfer, if you want to transfer, <laughs> come to the um, <laughs> because they have a great recruiting class. They're just not doing much with them. And we all know Lane is, is this transfer portal King. So I think Ole Miss is pissed off. 
I think they're embarrassed and I think they're going to start to clean up some stuff this week, hopefully. And they're going to go into college station and, and they're going to put A&M away. So I'm picking Ole Miss 28 to 17. All right, Matt, what you got? Yeah, that was my thought as well. I think Ole Miss is going to be looking to kind of bounce back from that loss this past weekend. I think Ole Miss comes out swinging. Lane's definitely going to be going for it on fourth down a lot in this game. Um, so I'm going to say Ole Miss wins this thing big, 38-20. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm a little torn here. I think I think Ole Miss, yeah, I do agree. I do, the, I do agree that they bounce back. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like there's too many inconsistencies. I, I see them struggling again. Um, A&M is at home. I don't know how much that really helps, but I don't know. It, it's a night game in Kyle field. That's tough. It is a night That's game at Kyle field. That's a, it gets, it gets mega loud in there. Um, I think this one's going to be intense. I got Ole Miss uh, winning an absolute slug fest and a nail biter 28 to 27. So, um, all right. Lane's so now to be so upset. And now that we've now that we've talked about all of them, I got to ask you guys: What do you think is the game to watch this week? Oh my gosh, um, mm, 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 that's tough. I know which one I'm going to watch. I don't think I'm very. I don't think I'm well. I'm biased. I'm going to say uh, Florida, Georgia. I mean, it's just typically typically a spectacle, no matter what. I think I think the close one is going to be Arkansas at Auburn. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I think the funnest one to watch is going to be the Tennessee game because offense is fun to watch. People like points. Well, I think there's a lot of good matchups this week. Yeah, I mean, they're all SEC, which is fun, but it's, you know, you've got like Arkansas and Auburn that are pretty well matched. Mm -hmm. You've got Georgia, Florida, which is just a historic rivalry and really fun to watch. And then you've got Mizzou and South Carolina, who we thought at the beginning of the season were both going to be trash. And now you're seeing South Carolina and see how they deal with a little bit of hype. And then Kentucky, Tennessee, again, going to be a lot of high powered offense, going to be pretty fun to watch And Ole Miss and Texas A&M. You're seeing an Ole Miss team that is, is good. And then you're seeing a Texas A&M team that has floundered, but they usually play okay at home. So I think we've got a really good list of games. If I'm not mistaken, Matt, wasn't that Kentucky-Tennessee game uh, a barn burner last year? It was high it scoring was. all the it way was. up to the end, wasn't it? It, it was. But so, defense has looked a little bit better this year than it did yeah, last year. So certain, yeah, certainly. Difference. The offense has definitely looked a lot better for Tennessee as well. Yeah. So <laughs> also, Can we just talk about – we don't have a just for fun, but what is fun is listening to the names that we say on this show – yeah, we have so far said orgy, um, squirrel, yeah, who laid, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the other one. Oh, hooker, yeah, and it's just like, what? Right. <laughs> yeah, you Some just casual never know. person's listening, going, Who are all these people? What? <laughs> who are these humans? I just, so I don't what, understand. What is this podcast about? <laughs> right. That's what you need to start hashtag, hashtag squirrel, hashtag (laughs) Kool-Aid. Maybe don't hashtag orgy or hooker, but uh, it is spelled O-R-J-I. So it's at least it's not the same spelling. Oh, thank God for him. Thank God. (laughs) Still not much better. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, let's uh, let's get out of here. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Like we said, uh, exciting slate of games coming up ready to watch those. If you would like to contact us, please email us at pigskinsandpageantry at gmail.com. We are uh, at pigskinsandpageantry on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. 
On Twitter, we were at PPSEC Podcast. Don't forget, we are available for download on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and just all the things. So uh, please, if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment, subscribe, and review. Five stars, we'd love that. Helps our visibility, gets us, you, uh, gets us higher on the list of a visible podcast. So hey, until next time, it's uh, it's Florida Hate Week. <laughs> this is Wes, go dogs. I feel like that's the first time I've ever heard you mention like a hate week. Yeah, I was, um, waiting, I was waiting for something juicy, Wes. <laughs> like, it's for the hate week. Well, Back to you guys. <laughs> it speaks for itself. There's an um, opp- opportunity right there to talk some serious <laughs> trash, and you just went. Oh, hey, that, nah, that's kind of that's kind of on brand. <laughs> I don't. Really I know you're story. so kind, um, Bama fans. Rest up, sleep in, go to therapy, do what we need to do to get our mental health right. Uh, real tight. Yep. Ohio State, shut up and sit down. Go Vols.